welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 145 in the series Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday the 28th of February 2016, entitled The Genesis Account, Part 22. And the Bible reading is taken from Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 to 16. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I invite you first of all for our reading from Genesis chapter 4 this morning. And... Uh, we continue our series. We're going to just be reading the uh, the first uh, 16 verses of this uh, chapter this morning. I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's precious and holy word, beginning in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 1. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord, and Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain, to his offering, he had not respect Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. The Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. The Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. The Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Father, we thank you this morning, and Lord, we pray that over these next few minutes, Lord, that you will give to us that which we need this morning. Help us, Lord to grasp what you would have us to grasp in our hearts today. Lord, you know each one here, you know every precise need. Lord, we come dependent upon you at this time that those needs would be met through you for your glory in Christ's name. Amen and amen. As we review our covering of the book of Genesis, it is absolutely phenomenal what God has shown us as far as the, the foundations, and I remind you again, if the foundations be destroyed, what shall the righteous do? 
We must build upon solid foundations. Now, if you've been here over the recent weeks, we've just tried to do a quick recap before we move on to finish up our series in the book of Genesis. We've seen that the Genesis account that God has given to us, just in these first few chapters already, we've found that they are vital, they are fundamental, they are foundational to so many of the great doctrines. We've seen where that they are fundamental to the authority of God's word, to the assertion of God's existence, to the absoluteness of God's creation, to the advancement of the human race, the accountability of mankind, to the administration of home life, to the acuteness, depths of man's fall when he fell into sin, the abolishment of Satan, and most recently, the atonement for sin. Now, I'm going to try to give you a few things this morning that I hope, again, will be a blessing. We covered these things in far more detail in the past, but I hope they will be a reminder to you this morning as we think of the acceptance of offerings to God. Have you ever wondered where the practice of giving began in the first place? Well, if you've been listening to anything in these recent weeks, there is no question where it began. God himself gave us life that we can even exist. God gave us this earth and all that was theirs to, to sustain us and to bless us. God breathed into man, and man became a living soul. We've seen that thus far in scriptures, God has been giving and giving and giving, and we find that once again here as chapter 4 opens, it's God giving again. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man where? From the Lord. Why? as we think upon this subject, what about the practice of us giving offerings to God instead of God giving to us? Why do we receive offerings in our times of worship together? Why does it say in our bulletins that when we receive this offering that it's worship through giving? Why does your pastor try to encourage you over and over and over to give and that it's for your own good, not for mine. We find that all in all, though, it's still a subject that is challenging. Why? Because I don't care who we are. I don't care really what kind of background that you come from. The truth is when we think that somebody else is trying to get into our pocket and get what is ours and what I have, Sometimes it just doesn't feel too nice. It's kind of like the two men that were seen standing outside of the church doors one morning. It was cold outside. The wind was blowing. I mean, it was chill factor. But they were standing there. They had hardly any clothes on whatsoever. They were like in their, their T-shirt and their boxer shorts. And, and one looked over the other and said, that had to be the most moving sermon that I've ever heard on giving. Well, I'm not here to try to get you to give the clothes off your back this morning. <laughs> I'm not here to try to get you to give anything this morning. 
I want you to understand that. I want you to grasp. My aim this morning is I honestly believe with all my heart that God has shown us. Really, our aim this morning gets right back to everything that we've heard during this conference. I don't want you to give more. I want you to love more. I want us to grasp and understand just what it is. You see, we can give away a lot of things. Now, Brother Steve, if I came up to you and you knew that it was a genuine offer, and I said, Steve, God has blessed me and I've just had this windfall and, you know, my rich uncle died in the poor house and I've got all this money and I, and I don't know what to do with it. I want, I want to give you a gift of 100,000 pounds just to use as you want. Amen, brother. <laughs> Would you have any trouble accepting that? Why? Because, man, that's something that would be of value to you. You'd be grateful. But if I came up and said, Brother Steve, I got a bunch of old clothes hanging in my closet. Now, they're about three sizes too big for you. <laughs> Most of them are wore out. They're, they're, they're kind of religious because they're getting very holy. But, you know, I'd like to give all those to you, and I'd like you just to take them and to use them. Now, you can't give them to anybody else. You've got to use them yourself. Do you think you'd want to accept that offering? Probably not. Why? Because it's worthless. <laughs> it would be worthless to him. He couldn't wear my clothes, and especially my old holy clothes that <laughs> may look natural on me, but they wouldn't look very natural on him. You see, as we begin to look through God's Word, I want you to understand that it doesn't really matter what you're giving. It must be accepted by the other party for it to be worthwhile. Now, just remember that in chapter 3, we've just seen where that man fell. He fell into sin. And we saw that picture of God's atonement, his giving to man, a covering that was needed for man to even be able to enter into the, to the presence of God again. We saw man being sent forth from the Garden of Eden where he had been placed because of his sinful state. And then the very next thing that we see in chapter 4 when it opens is God giving Adam and Eve another gift, the gift of a son. In fact, in the next verse, we see the gift of two sons. The next thing that's recorded, man, man has messed up so bad. He's fallen. He's had to be expelled from the garden. And yet, the next thing we see is God giving to man. Adam and Eve beginning that family that, that God has shown them, the recognizing, you know, there are a lot of things that we can have. Can we grasp? Whoever you are this morning, you would be hard-pressed to find in this world anything more valuable than your family, than those that God gave you. Now, I know some people come from broken homes. Some people may live in homes where that they don't see a lot of love. But that should just show us all the more the value of a home as God meant it to be, of a family the way that God gives it, and of the family that you can have when you're part of God's family. You see, God once again is giving to them. And then the next, we don't know how many years pass, but these two gifts, they've grown into adulthood, and one of them, the Bible says, is a, is a tiller of the ground, and 
and the other one makes his, his living by being a, a herdsman of sheep. They're, they're both just honorable professions. There's nothing wrong with being a farmer. There's nothing wrong with being a rancher. They're following professions that will give them their livelihood. But I want you to notice the next thing then. Verse 3 and 4 says, And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought... Cain brought something. He brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. Both of these, these gifts that had been given to Adam and Eve, these sons. The next act that we see of them is them both bringing an offering to the Lord. Now, why, why does one bring an offering? Why would an offering be brought, as it says here very clearly? Well, an offering is a gift, a tribute, a, a present, an oblation. It's something to show someone their value or their worth, that they mean something. You give somebody a gift to show your love, to show them that you care, to show them that they are valuable to you, the bringing of offerings to God, my friends, is an act of worship to show him how much he means to us. We find it all through Scripture. And isn't it interesting, the very first act that we see man performing once he is out of the garden is an act of worship. Do you remember what we said the word worship really means? You see, sometimes we get the idea that worship is a time when we come together and we, we have a good time and we enjoy ourselves and, you know, we, we, we maybe sing some great songs together and we have some phenomenal fellowship and all of these things and sometimes we might even listen to a, to a little bit of preaching. In the Old Testament, the word that is commonly translated as worship in your Bibles literally means this, to bow oneself down to prostrate oneself before another out of honor. Now, I would illustrate that, but if I got down there, you'd probably have to come help me back up this morning. But literally, it literally means to get prostrate on the ground before the one you're, because they are of so much more worth than you yourself. You don't even feel worthy to stand in their presence. Now, in the New Testament, it means very basically the same thing except there's something else that's added in the Greek. <laughs> Normally when you get down there, you would do one of two things. You would either kiss their feet or come kiss my foot. <laughs> come on, Alex. <laughs> get flat down there, kiss the foot or the hem of the garment. Again, it is an absolute act of showing the one that you're before how valuable they are and how unworthy that you are. The old English word that we get our word worship from, it literally was worth-ship. The TH has just been taken out to shorten it to worship. Worth-ship. That's what it came from. That's what these words were, were translated into. You see, worship incorporates actions that are motivated by an attitude of the heart from within that reveres, that honors, that shows how much 
another person or another object really means to us, the value that they have to us. John MacArthur described it this way. He said, it's that consuming, selfless desire to give God is the essence and the heart of worship. That consuming, selfless desire to give to God is the essence of the heart of worship. Did you come today because of that driving force in your heart to give God the honor that he deserves today? to worship him rather than what it would do for you. He says it begins with the giving first of ourselves. Heard about that in the Sunday school time, didn't we? And then of our attitudes and then of our possessions until worship is a very way of life. You see, so many times the problem is, the reason it hurts is because we start with the possessions (laughs) rather than starting from the heart. I want to promise you something. And you just pause and think about this for a moment. Think of the people that you truly could describe without hesitation that you love in this world. When you see that person, somebody that is so dear to you, and you see them needing something, what is your first reaction? Oh, no, I don't want to have to. Give them money. No, your natural reaction is, I mean, you can't describe. It is a blessing. The Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. We sometimes get these things all out of kilter because we're focusing on giving what I've worked hard for and giving it away to somebody else. Giving. I believe with all my heart, the preacher won't have to preach on any giving of possessions if we get the loving right, if we really love God, if he is the one that is more important to us than all of these earthly possessions, your attitude, you know, if you're honest, you see, even look around you here this morning, these people that you care for, if you knew that they didn't have their next meal, if you knew that they didn't have shoes to put on their feet to to go out into the cold, Would it be a chore for you? It would be a great blessing. It would thrill your heart to be able to do something to genuinely show them that they matter, that you care, to be able to meet that need. You see, in this chapter, God's work of creation is just continuing on. He's giving them the children. He's giving them the family. Family. The first account that we have of man, listen, the very first account of man that we have after the Garden of Eden is a story of giving. God giving to man and man bringing offerings to God. Anything, God could have recorded anything in his word that he wanted to there. It's his word. Why is it? That even after man, you see, again, sometimes we think that, well, this project isn't worthy and that person isn't worthy. Again, it comes back to our heart, whether we think that it's of value to us or not, whether it's worth anything to us. Man, it just totally disgraced God. And yet, because of God's love, the next thing God is doing is giving to man. 
giving him that child, giving him that family, giving him one of the most precious gifts he could give him on the face of this earth. And man, in turn, giving to God, worshiping God. Now, God isn't paying God back for anything. He isn't bringing God an offering in order to get on his good side. He's bringing a gift. Worship doesn't buy any favors with God. It shows how much he's worth to us. You see, the act of giving, the act of giving is showing whether anybody is of value to us, whether anything is of value to us. I just want you to grasp this morning, hey, I'm not asking you to give. I'm asking you, how much is God worth to you? What has God given to you? In your undeserved sinful state, <laughs> he was willing to go to the cross and die for you. He was willing to give you the greatest gift he could ever give to you, not because you deserved it, but because he loved you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Love. Love is that, that motivator that's behind it. The act of giving, secondly, the acceptance of God. You see, verse 3 and 4 goes on to say, it was in the process of time that it came to pass that Cain brought what? Of the fruit of the ground, an offering unto the Lord. They both brought an offering, but Cain brought fruit from the ground. Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. But interestingly enough, they both brought different gifts. Now, I offered Steve two different gifts a while ago. He didn't have any trouble choosing which one he would rather have. The Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. Both men came bearing gifts, bringing an offering to God. However, one is acceptable and the other is not. Why? Why would he accept one and not the other? Well, keep in mind, first of all, it does come down to value. It does come down to worth. Why would Steve be eager to accept one of my gifts but not eager at all to accept the other? One is of value, the other is not. Well, there's two popular reasons that we looked at here. We don't have time to go into them this morning, but some think that the reason that one was accepted and the other wasn't. Why did God, uh, one possibility given for the rejection of Cain's offering is that it was the wrong kind of offering. Now, we know that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground. We know that Abel brought of the firstlings of his flock. We know that many things have already been said and that many times that it was the killing of an animal, a blood sacrifice. We saw that in the atonement that God supplied. We know later, we read in Bible, that under the law it was required that blood sacrifices be brought for sin offerings. But what we don't know is this, and we must be careful. What instructions have been given to Cain and Abel about their offerings? The Bible doesn't tell us. That God had required a sin offering in this instance is not something that God tells us is necessarily true. If it were a sin offering, then yes, it would require to be a blood sacrifice. 
was this offering something that was prescribed by God, or was it something that was simply done out of the heart for thanksgiving? The Bible doesn't tell us these things. Could this have been the reason? Could it have been because it was the wrong kind of offering? Well, yes, it could have been, but it requires some assumptions on our part to be able to dogmatically say that. Some say it was because it was of inferior quality. You see, we know that Abel brought of the firstlings of his flock. That means the very best of the best is what he brought under the law, God would require later the firstborn of the flock. God would also require the fat as it was brought here. But those laws hadn't been laid down. God would require the first fruits all through Scripture. God requires the first fruits, not the leftovers. What we don't know, though, is what quality was Cain's offering. You see, the Bible doesn't tell us that. Could it have been the reason? Well, it could have. There may even be a strong possibility for it, but we don't know because the Bible doesn't tell us that it was inferior quality. Maybe Cain was trying to get away with lesser quality. Maybe it was the damaged goods. Maybe it was the second best. Maybe it was what he had left over. We don't know. To say that would be wrong. There are legitimate reasons that can be speculated, but what do we know for sure? We know that Abel's offering was acceptable and that Cain's was not. The Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. God does tell us some things that we can be certain of because he tells us. Later in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, he tells us, By faith, by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and by it he, being dead, yet speaketh. Abel's offering. Well, first of all, the Bible tells us that it was acceptable because it was offered by faith. It was offered by faith. Later on, verse tells us in this same book, without faith it is impossible to please God. The simple verse in Romans 10, 17, so then faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Whatever God's prior instructions had been, both brothers would have known what God's requirement was. Because we don't know, it doesn't mean they don't know, they knew exactly what God wanted of them. Abel acted in faith. The only way you can act in faith is to know what God wants and to be obedient. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Abel acted upon what God's word had said to him. By faith. Cain, he didn't offer his by that same faith. The Bible also tells us there that Abel's offering was a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. And we're not told all the reasons precisely, but the emphasis of this verse is where it begins. By faith, Abel gave his offering. He was the one that God declared 
righteous, not Cain, who was acting in unbelief. The only way to righteousness is by faith. You can't get to righteousness except by faith, by trusting God, by believing God, by acting upon what God says. Abel's offering, given by faith, he says, testified of something that Cain's didn't, that was given in unbelief. Abel's offering, though his brother ended up killing him, taking his life, the Bible says it continued to speak, speak loudly of his faith, even though he was dead. By it, he being dead, yet speaketh. His offering continued to speak even after he was gone from this earth because he had acted on what God wanted. The entire emphasis of Hebrews 11.4 is that Abel's sacrifice was more excellent and acceptable to God because he gave it by faith. It was done by faith. John says in 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 and 12, he says, for this is the message that ye heard from the beginning that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Why did he do it? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. God tells us exactly why that Cain slew Abel. Because God had accepted his gift and had declared him to be righteous, but he was still in his sin. The writer of Hebrews, when writing about the offerings of Cain and Abel, he emphasized the importance of faith being a part of Abel's sacrifice in order for it to be acceptable to God. Here, John places another emphasis, the matter of love. Not to love like Cain did, but to love like Abel did. The context of these verses have got to be taken in the context that they're given. The importance, the importance of love one for another, the importance of what one means to us. How important is love in the matter of giving? I can't overstate its importance. It could be said that Love is the very thing that giving hinges on. If we really love someone, I declare to you to even try to show me how that it can ever be hard to give to that person you love. You look for ways to give. You look for ways to show it. You look for ways to show them how important they are. Do we grasp and understand that's how God loves us? He keeps giving and giving and giving, not because we deserve it, not because we love him back in return, but because he loves us unconditionally. He wants to give to us. That's the attitude that will change our hearts. You see, when you start trying to give to someone that you don't really love, it gets hard. How easy or hard is it for you to give to someone? Why does God emphasize so much our love one for another? You see, one important way that we show our love is to show what place they have in our lives. This is one way that we show God 
how important that he is to us. It's one of the ways that we die to ourselves, as the Bible tells us is so important. It's important for us to show our love to God. Which is more important to us? To show him how much we love him or to fulfill our selfish desires? I mean, I'm, I'm just asking. I'm not trying to change your mind. I'm wanting you to check your heart. You see, we're not really giving very much if what we're giving is of no value. If I'm just giving you, Steve, my old leftover clothes that have got all the holes in them that I'm not going to wear anymore myself, that's not hard for me to give. I'm glad to get rid of them. I was looking for a place to put them. My wife would really appreciate me getting them all out of my, my closet so that she can uh, uh, tidy it up a bit better. She's always asked me, can't you get rid of some of this? And can't you get rid of that? And you know, when I don't do it, you know what she does? She goes in there herself and she sneaks the stuff out. She takes it off to the secondhand shop. And I start looking for that old favorite blue shirt that's got the, the holes in it. And I can't find it. Why? She's gotten rid of it. <laughs> you see, it's not hard to give what's of no value to you. What's going to show how much you really love is when you give that that you truly care about. So Henry Taylor says, he who gives what he would as readily throw away gives without generosity. Well, the essence of generosity is in self-sacrifice. We find that what we've read here in 1 John 3, 11 and 12 shows us the importance of love for one another, our love for God. It really goes right to the heart of the matter. Cain may have been going through the actions of worshiping just like Abel. They both brought offerings. But the Bible says it was the way of the wicked one. <laughs> he might have been playing the game outwardly, but inwardly he belonged to the devil. Cain's actions proved who he really belonged to. He slew his brother. Rather than acting in love, the act of murder was his ultimate act of hatred towards his brother, jealousy in his own heart. The Bible says his works were evil. Abel's acting by faith, obeying God, was righteous. But Cain's were evil. His offering was not acceptable before God. Jealousy and hatred were controlling him rather than love that is seen in his brother. You see, I made the statement before, it's certainly possible to give without loving, just like Cain did. But it's not really possible to love without giving. You see, we can give without loving. That's not acceptable to God. Why does the Bible talk about us giving joyfully, giving literally, hilariously, Hey, it's offering time. Get those bags around here. I want to I wanna be able to give to God something today. That's what the Bible's saying, giving hilariously. Man, it thrills my heart. I love God so much. I just want to show him how much I love him. If y'all did that when we went to take the offering, your pastor would probably have a heart attack. But that's what the Bible's talking about. You see, God's not trying to get you to give something that you don't want to give. 
He's trying to change your want to. He wants you to love him and to love others so much that, man, it is a thrill to be able to give. He's showing us that the foundation for all of that is being laid right here. An acceptable gift. It must be given by faith, and it must be given in love. Offering gifts to God will never ensure your relationship with God. We don't want you to give more so that you can have a better relationship. But your relationship must be certain in order for your gifts to be acceptable. You see, the giving is the result of our relationship. It's not what makes our relationship it's what comes out of our relationship. It's easy to say, huh, like the one guy, you know, pastor asked him, you know, if you, uh, if God gave you 100 cows, would you give God 50 of them? Oh, sure, pastor. Yeah, 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 I would. If, if, if God gave you 50 pigs, would you give God 25 of them? Yes, Lord, yes, yes, yes. If God gave you two chickens, would you give him one of them? Now, preacher, that's not fair. You know I got two chickens. It's easy to give what you don't have, isn't it? It's easy to give that which is hypothetical. If I had this, boy, if I, if I just had the money, I'd give so much more to God. If I just had the time, boy, I'd love to give more time to God. If I just had the, the talent, I'd love to be able to get up there and, and sing and use my gifts for God. God gives him more money. God gives him more time. God gives him more talents. And then God waits. And he waits. And he waits. And he waits. So finally he says, well, if he's not going to use it, I'm just going to take it all back. <laughs> Boy, if God would just give me more money, I'd gladly give some to God. God said, oh, yeah, I know exactly what you'd do. The guy, you know, I'm not so sure that there really is a God that exists out there. <laughs> so many times we want to give what we don't have. I can promise you, if you don't have a heart to give out of what you do have, you'll never have a heart to give what you don't have. It's going to start where you are. That's why with God, you know, he gives us, he gives us the pattern. And a lot of other things I wanted to say and that we talked about before, but the act of giving, the acceptance of God. Let me close with this thought, the attitude of the giver. What happened when uh, Cain's offering wasn't acceptable? Cain's offering wasn't acceptable. Verse 5 says, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Whew. Can you imagine the audacity of God? I'm trying to give him. I mean, I don't believe God. I'm not being obedient. I'm not doing what he told me to do. Can you believe him rejecting my offering that I'm bringing to him? Well, you know, you can go back and read there in verses 6 and 7, and really God's coming back to him, and God said, Cain, why are you angry? I mean, don't you realize that? All you have to do 
is be obedient to what I told you. All you have to do is do what's right. Your offering will be accepted if you just do what I've asked instead of trying to, to do your own thing and just make it up as you go. However, if you keep that attitude, keep walking in disobedience, he says sin's lying right there at the door just ready to pounce upon you and take control. God warned him. But what's amazing is even after he brought the wrong offering, God, God is still gracious and trying to give him an opportunity just to do what's right. God's not looking for some reason to pounce on him. He's saying if you're not careful, if you keep going, sin is going to pounce on you. Get away from that thing. But we see the action. We see that warning carried out. We see it opening the door. We see Cain's attitude of, who am I, my brother's keeper? He murders his brother. Then he gets all sarcastic with God. God just says, hey, who are you trying to kid? Get real. Get honest with yourself. I know exactly what you've done. Your brother's, brother's blood is crying out from the ground there. You can't hide your sin. And so God passes judgment on him. That punishment is delivered. <laughs> Even in that, we see God's mercy. We see God's grace. You see, Cain had a heart problem. And I believe we can try to speculate all we want about these other things, whether he was a farmer or whether he was a rancher, the problem with the offering, I believe, ultimately from what God tells us, of all those other things we can speculate and they may or may not be right or wrong, but we know. We know that Abel's was accepted because it was given by faith. We know that God himself tells us that Abel was acting in love while his brother wasn't. So I can tell you those two things dogmatically this morning. God can accept and reject for whatever, but I'm telling you that it's the heart that comes down to it. That's where the problem starts. That's where it cultivates. The amount, I'll give you two quotes, and I'll leave this with you. Martin Luther said this. He said, I've tried to keep things in my hands and lost them all. But what I've given into God's hands, I still possess. When we try to hang on to it, I promise you it'll gone. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. I like that. You see, as long as it's just what we can spare, what we can do without, what doesn't really matter to us, it's not real giving. I believe that God does give us, and so many times we really get hung up over the problems of of tithing and whether we should or whether we shouldn't. May I say to you, 10%, I believe it's just, it's, just, it's just a foundation that's laid right here in the book of Genesis before the law was ever given. It was there during the law. It was there in the New Testament after the law. It's just a foundation. It's a basis. I don't think that that's what we ought to do. I believe that's just showing us a bare minimum of where we ought to start. In the end, God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. He wants you to give what you give because you want to give it. There is a standard that's laid down for us. I wouldn't dare want to do less than that. 
We looked at many, many verses, which we don't have time to look back at this morning. But I believe it's the discovery of how much you love God, of him really having first place in your life. What are some of the things we conclude? All giving, listen, all giving begins with God. <laughs> Always. There is nothing to give except what God gives. <laughs> all giving begins with God, who was and still is the greatest giver of all, the one who gave us the very life that we have to be able to give. The very first act of mankind after expulsion from the Garden of Eden is an act of worship in bringing offerings to God. It's the first thing that's recorded for us there. The essence of worship is giving to God. Giving to God. And folks, we're not just get your minds off the money. It begins with giving him ourselves, our hearts, our love. Giving him our obedience. The giving will come naturally. Don't worry about that. I just want your heart to be right with God and you give what your heart tells you then and I promise you, it'll surprise even you probably. <laughs> giving to God isn't payback time. It's not buying favors. It's not proving that you're more spiritual than the person sitting beside you. It's an act of showing him his worth to us. That's Bible. How much do we really love him? How much do we really trust him? Because an offering that is acceptable to God must be given by faith in love. An offering to God, if he truly is the preeminent force in our lives, the preeminent person in our lives, if he holds first place in our lives, we'll want to give him the best of the best, not the leftovers. We'll want to give him the best that we have, no exceptions, because we love him more than life itself. You know what? Our actions will speak clearly. We can talk all we want, but just as with Cain and Abel, their actions showed where their heart really was. What we give will declare our faith in whom we really love. And folks, I'm not just talking about giving your money in the offering plate. I'm talking about giving yourself to God, to one another. Giving yourself as God has given to the undeserving, to the ones that don't deserve anything. That's going to show where your heart is. Our attitude towards God in this matter of giving will greatly, markedly affect our future and everything that it holds. Our heart attitude will affect everything that we are and everything that we do in this life today. We've been thinking of a love worth finding. I want you to know this morning, we can think all we want. <laughs> I was kind of grateful because, you know, it's always, I, I've told you before, it's one of those things where so many times with your children, you have to tell them something or show them something or teach them something or Discipline them or correct them. God says, if you don't have his hand of chastisement, then you're not really his anyway. 
Sometimes God just wants us to be on the right track. He wants what's best for us. And this attitude of the heart affects everything that we are. It is no accident that the very first act we see of man outside the garden is God giving to man and man giving to God by faith, trusting him, trusting his promises, trusting what he says in love because he really is worth more to us than whatever else joy, temporal possessions you can have in this world. It's him esteeming others before ourselves, loving like God loves. That's how God accepts our offerings. And it's given by faith. And it's given in love. And that's what I'm asking today. What's your attitude with God? I just simply pray that we're going to sing for our closing hymn here in just a moment. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I wonder this morning, if you're here, have you accepted his greatest gift of all? You see, when you be begin to really realize what salvation is worth to you, God is offering you the most important gift you can ever take in this world. And he's offering it to you this morning. If you don't have it, now you can reject it just like Steve rejects all my old clothes for some reason. <laughs> you can accept it. You can accept something that's far, far more valuable than the 100,000 pounds he was happy to take. Life eternal. God's offering that to you today. Will you accept his gift? Christians, I don't even want you to think about what you're going to give. I want you to think about who you love, and how much you love, and let your actions come as a natural response of the attitude of your heart. Let your heart drive you in this matter. What's important to you today, Christian? What's of great value to you? God accepted the offerings. Whatever you want to give to him today, give it by faith. Give it in love. Father, it's hard to stop anywhere in your word because, Lord, it's just, well, the depths of it are beyond our comprehension. I, th I thank you, Lord, that, you know, even as I have to approach this subject on giving and why you accept and don't accept offerings that we bring to you. Lord, we've just skimmed the surface. I know that we've gone through it in greater detail in the past, but I pray that you could take and use this this morning as just a reminder. We can speculate all we want, but we do know one thing for sure, that you're the one that will decide if that offering is acceptable or unacceptable. And we do know two things that is required for it to be acceptable to you. It's given by faith given by obedience, given by trusting you and what you said and doing it your way. It's given in love as an act of worship because you're worth that much to us. Lord, that's why we even love the others around us. We love them like you love them. We give ourselves. We give that they might have because they're of value to us. Help us this morning. Help us as we sing this closing hymn. I pray, Lord, if there are those here this morning that need to come, that need to pray, that you'll just help them, Lord, to forget, forget who's beside them, forget what somebody else might think, just do in their heart what they need to with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just before we sing this song, is there anyone here this morning that would lift your hand
and say, I don't know that I'm saved. I'm not sure that I've ever accepted God's gift of salvation. I would really appreciate your prayers, Pastor. Would you slip your hand up and say, pray for me? Pray for me that I'll understand and accept the greatest gift of all from God. God bless your hand. You can put it down. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anywhere? Maybe you're here this morning and maybe God's spoken to you. Maybe you've had a sour attitude. That was what happened to Cain when it was pointed out to him that his offering wasn't acceptable. He got angry and it showed. Maybe this morning, just as God told him, look, Cain, all you have to do is do what's right. <laughs> Maybe God showed you this morning that you've been placing too much value on the wrong things. This morning, you don't have to get it right with me. Maybe you just slip your hand up and say, help me, Pastor. Help me to love God like I've never loved him. Help me to love like he loves. Help me to give him the right place in my life. God bless your hand. God sees your hand. God sees your hands. Anyone else? God sees your hands. Father, you've seen every hand that was raised this morning. And Lord, we know that it's not the raising of a hand that makes a difference, but you know the hearts of these. Lord, I pray right now that, Lord, you would work in each and every one of their hearts. And Lord, there may even be some that they should have put their hands up, but they haven't. I pray that you continue to work with them. Help them to get to the point to be honest with themselves, just like you told Cain. Be real. Be honest. You're not hiding anything from me. I know exactly where your heart is. I know exactly what you've done. Maybe there are those here this morning that just need to accept that grace and that mercy rather than allowing sin to continue in their lives and pounce upon them. Do the work that only you can do, and we'll give you all the praise for it in Christ's name. Amen.